Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Pittsburgh Steelers remembered how to run the football. Uh-oh. Tom, I don't know if they remembered. It seems like they it was a blast from the past. Like we had Doc Brown and Martin McFly come Marty, back. Marty, we've got to run the football <laughs> down the Saints' throat. Come on, great Scott. When was the last time? Do you know the last time the Steelers ran for over 200 yards in a single game? I do know the last time the Steelers ran for at least the last time the Steelers ran for more than they did in that game. Two 2016, week 14. Oh, is it in Buffalo? At Buffalo, yep. 240 yards on the ground. A lot of that was Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had three touchdowns that day. I do in remember the snow that. in that game. Yep. But 217 rushing yards as a team, most in a single game since that week 14 game in 2016. <laughs> it's been five years, six years. Six years. Since they've run for that much as a team, and mm, did it feel good because it kind of showed you, no kind of, get rid of that kind of, it did show you how you win with a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. That was the formula, man. You don't have they to, ran the ball. Right. They played good defense. That's the formula. Don't turn the ball over. Which oh, they did Put all three of those in a pot, you're going to win. They almost turned the ball over. There was the Najee Harris almost fumble. Yeah, and that's concerning. Uh, but I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass there because it was the best game he's played all year. Oh, by far. Not just the best game, but the best individual runs. Not And not just singular. He had some of his best runs on the season just this past Sunday. So I get the I get the pass plus it came uh right after the Steelers had forced the ball over uh by their own defense. So it would have been a kind of like a net zero almost if you think about it that way. So <clears throat> I, I, I agree with you. I'm gonna give the pass there because you ended up with zero turnovers and or giveaways and your defense forced two on their end. So you won that margin by two, which is pretty good. It stinks that we got stuck on the 99 for two players in this game. Yes. Kenny at 199, yeah. Najee at 99. Sticking with the Najee, Najee one though, hurts, it hurts, hurts more. But here's, here's what I'm looking at that I really take a lot of uh, uh, positives out of. Yes, he had 20 carries for 99 yards. You want to see that 100 yards just because you, know, you get that extra bonus mm-hmm. three points in some fantasy leagues. You feel good about yourself. You had a 100 yard rushing game. It's the five yards per carry that I look at, and oh, it tickles me. That absolutely. tickles me a lot. You get giddy just thinking about it. I don't, I don't you know, you, you could have given him the ball a little bit more than 20 times, but you know what, maybe you didn't have to because of the way Warren Looks was running good. as well, the way yeah. Kenny was running as well. Oh, yeah. So I get that 
you want to see him get over that 100-yard mark, get 25 carries for 130 yards or something like that. That's all well and good. If he continues to average five yards a carry, I don't care what his total yards will be. And by the way, it will get over 100 eventually if he's averaging that much. Mm -hmm. But five yards per carry is something we haven't seen from him since 2021. He hasn't had that kind of output per carry. So I I know he had a lot of it aided by that 36-yard run that he had, but those count too, man. Oh, yeah. I am tickled at the fact that not only did he have 99 yards, but he did it on 20 carries to equal five yards per carry. That's what we've needed from this guy. Absolutely. There wasn't, other than that near-loss fumble time, there really wasn't a, a bad play from Najee Harris. I You think back to right before the first touchdown of the other day by George Pickens. Najee dove for that goal line, like from the seven-yard line, and almost got there. He was hungry to score. He was hungry to put up numbers. And again, getting back to that 36-yard run, the best run of his season so far, and one of the best of his young career, I would say so, because of the burst. I think everyone wants to talk about the hit stick he put on at midfield that got him an extra 20 or so yards uh, by the end of it. But what I loved more about that individual play was the speed he came out of the pocket with, right? So many times that we've talked about leading up to this game was when we discussed Najee Harris was his inability or his mental blockage to just run north to south or or just up and down the field rather than being fancy on his feet. <clears throat> that This is something that I did not see really all season long from him. He just exploded as soon as he got the ball, didn't try to do anything fancy, and he found the holes, right? Everyone's talking about, oh, the offensive line has been playing so well. Jalen Warren's able to find some holes that Najee isn't. Well, Najee found the holes yesterday all afternoon long. Jalen Warren was a very good compliment to Najee yesterday. Yeah, and, and, and it wasn't like it wasn't it like he like took he, over, right? It, and it didn't feel like he was stealing carries. No. It was a good balance. It wasn't a. I mean, you could say it's a running back by committee because they both had at least ten carries, but Najee still had double the amount of carries that Jalen Warren finished with. Najee had thirty-seven offensive snaps. It's fifty-nine percent of the uh, the offensive snappage that he was on the field for, and Warren was there for twenty-three snaps for thirty-seven percent. So under forty percent for Warren and almost sixty percent for Najee as far as the split was concerned. Nine carries for Warren, twenty carries for Najee. So a lot of people were kind of wondering is it going to be time to make the switch? Does Jalen get more of the carries? Mm. Is he now the number one back? Do you put him in there more? The Steelers kind of answered that by putting him in there more, yeah, but not to the extreme where it took away from Najee. Not and at all. I think you've maybe found what could be not a bell cow. Well, I think Najee is a bell cow, but not just a bell cow and some dude that gets two, three carries a game. I think you have a potential bell cow now who I want to see him stack some more games like this together before yeah. you know you put that stamp back on him that he can be that twenty-five carry a game guy. Yeah, I get it. And you have a nice number two punch. You know, you got that nice you Najee's just mm-hmm. jabbing them all the way up the field, and then you got Jalen Warren that can come in with a nice right hook every once in a while. That hurdle, the burst from him. I mean, we talk about him always falling forward. That's something that Wolf and Max always credit him for. It's just to think that you would get a day with both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren having one of the best days of their young careers, respectively. I never thought I would say, given the given the course of this season so far. To have them both have the kind of day they did yesterday on the same day, completely unexpected. The Najee long run, too, what was great about it is that if you watch the play, he starts going to the right and has to cut back Uh to the left. That's vision. We've Mm -hmm. been 
really criticizing him for his lack of vision at the beginning of the season, missing holes that are there, you know, cutting back into places that aren't necessarily open, and he stymies himself a little bit. He overthinks it sometimes. Yes. That was beautiful yesterday. Yeah. Went to his right. There was nothing there, but there was a massive hole to the left, Mm -hmm. and he just puts his foot in the ground, changes direction so nicely, and he's gone. And like I said, didn't overthink it, didn't try to be too fancy on his feet, and and not just take that hole, but maybe bounce further outside or farther outside to a hole. He he didn't like skip his way towards the hole. Exactly. He put one foot in and And just went. And again, right forward. And then you see the physical finish to it, which that's something that. You know, we've been wondering what's going on there because he's been kind of dancing a little bit mm-hmm. around these players. No, he just ran right through just that Just let guy. his big old thighs just run yeah. right over him. And I know it's the splashier part of that play, but to me, Tom, what made me happier of that play was what you just mentioned, the beginning part, finding the hole rather than overthinking it and taking the wrong gap or, or doing too much before the gap closed so that he could actually get extra yardage before making contact. I know that the, st- the stiff arm was great. It reminded you of some of the plays he had last year as a rookie, but I think his ability to just hit the right hole to get the initial part of that 36 yards was, to me, more important. I agree with that. But it was nice to see both ends. Yes, that. absolutely. I'm not going to complain and say, oh, I, gotta, I can right, only pick one here. It just was refreshing to see him have that Absolutely. kind of game. And I, I think it was probably refreshing for him as yes, well. Yes, I agree. I, I think that's a dude that was hearing the noise. I, how could, I you, how could I, you not hear the I noise? I was just about to say uh, the Steelers have played, what, four home games now at this point? And there's a good, there was probably a good amount of boo birds in the stands uh, yes. every time he got the ball. Because D- well, before, dude, the, the, before yesterday— For 14 days, they were talking about putting Warren in more. For, for before yesterday, Tom, what was his his yard per carry average? I believe like two point nine or three point one somewhere it was in that, that neighborhood. Three, it was just a three. Yeah, so that's I mean not good at that's a whole yard per carry less than he he finished with last year as a rookie and three point nine. It's it's good, but I mean it's he's not, still at three point six right now. I mean I'm sure after a day of yeah five I'm sure yards yesterday really helped that number increase, but. I'm sure in the in the home games prior to the game against the Saints yesterday, Najee was hearing it from the stands. You know, a yard here, two yards here, three yards there. I mean, fans are going to be happy with, are not going to be happy with that. And I'm sure it was really refreshing to him to just finally be able to run the ball and hear fans excited to see. Right, there's so often we've seen fans after a game say, well, I can't believe they decided to go with this play call here or that play call there. And I'm sure a lot of people were saying, well, Najee Harris can't run the ball, so why are you giving it to him? Why not give it to Jalen Warren or just put the ball back in Kenny's hands? I'm sure it was really nice for Najee to have that reception when he was having his best day of the year, have fans not do like the little shriek or gasp of, oh, no, here comes a a, a stuff at the line of scrimmage or, or a loss of two. Every time he got the ball, people were hoping, people were expecting it to go long because he was doing it all day. He was doing it all day long. Yeah. I loved the fact that they ran the ball 43 times against the team that when we did our analysis leading up to it, the weakest part of their defense was their run defense. That's where they were struggling. They were like 16th in the NFL this year at stopping the run, or even worse than that, maybe. It was nice to see them look at that and devise a game plan around that and decide that we're going to be running the ball a lot in this game. Now, obviously, 
you can devise those game plans and they go by the wayside when you're down 21 to nothing really early and you have to pass. Sure. So the Steelers getting up in this game first and mm-hmm. always having control of the football game to the right. point there where were, it was only ever a tie. Right, and there were there were other times too that this, the score could have been even, even, even wider of a margin. Yeah, I think the Steelers could have flirted with 30 points in this game and right. we'll get to the kicking in a little bit, yeah. but you had a game plan to run on the Saints and... You executed it to perfection, and you were able to execute it by starting fast. I mean, six different guys had at least one, two carries in this game. Sims, Watt, Pickens, Warren, Pickett, Harris. I mean, a lot of people were getting involved. 43 total rushes as a team compared to just 30 passes. That's that's Titans-esque. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a run-heavy kind of team, and I like to see that not only be the game plan they wanted to do against the Saints because it was the best way to attack them— but execute it too sure. and do it to perfection and not have to abandon it at any point in the game because you're losing. You can, for a full 60 minutes, just keep the game on the ground. No, I, I mean, I'll, you we, know, before, yeah, go ahead. I think it was Matt Canna's best game. I think it was his best game as an OC. Yeah, it wasn't the splashiest, right? There weren't 40 points We're on still, the board. And next episode, we're going to talk a whole lot about red zone offense because, yeah. boy, is it constipated once they get into that mm-hmm. red zone. But the middle of the field seems. Good Solid. right now. I mean, they're it's moving almost, the ball. It's kind of like how you laid out earlier this week or, or last week when Chase Claypool was moved to Chicago, kind of letting the game come a little bit easier to Kenny Pickett, making more or doing more with less, right? You take away Chase Claypool, so that middle of the field, you can really just say, okay, Pat Farmer is going to be open down there. And then a little bit beyond that, Deontay and Pickens are going to be available. So, And not only just down the middle, right down the middle of the field, but – uh, slightly uh, longer yard gains, but on the sidelines too, you saw George Pickens and Deontay be active in those in those areas. So I agree with you. I think it was a great play calling performance by Matt Canada, and it was highlighted by not forcing the ball into the rookies' hands to maybe force some turnovers. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I also liked first possession of the game, Mm -hmm. the Steelers threw three straight passes. They got a first down, and then eventually they did have to punt the ball. um, Eventually, after going six and out, they got one first down on that first drive. But it was three straight pass plays. First play of the game, pass. Second play of the game, pass. Third play of the game, pass for a first down. We have not seen that in a long time, and... I like the Steelers running the ball a lot in this game, but I think early in games on first downs pass because you're going to get the most vanilla defense that you're going to see all game long. Matt Williamson says that all the time. 
passing on first down has become kind of the norm in the NFL because you're going to most likely get a lot of base defense and you're going to be able to exploit that. So I liked the game plan coming out on that first drive. Saints probably thinking we're going to just try to run the ball and, and grind our way 15 yards down the field. Let's throw the ball on the first couple of plays and try to open things up that way. And in a way, I think when you start to pass early, it only helps the run game mm-hmm. open up a little bit more. Because if you just started running right into the middle of the pile on your first three downs and you went three and out to start the game, you're going to give the Saints a lot of confidence. Right. And they're going to be, they're, they're going to know, okay, they're just going to run the ball on us all game long. You throw three passes in a row, they're probably like, whoa, I thought they were going to run it on us. What's the deal here? And then you do run it on them and you keep them on their heels instead of their toes. And that's, I think, the most important part when you have a young offense is being creative and using using plays to set up other plays. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point by you because if you look at just a year ago, Tom, people were complaining that the Steelers, or maybe two years ago before Najee Harris arrived, that there were too many pass plays, right? You weren't running the ball enough, and you needed to implore more of the run. You needed to get that pass-to-run ratio a little bit more at a 50-50 mark. Uh, and it's just crazy how times have changed, right? Because... You fast forward to two years, to 2022, and everyone was complaining, saying how you run the ball on first and second down for a net gain of four yards, and then you have to pass on third down, and it's Kenny's first pass of the drive, and he's not going to come out super sharp every single time, and it's going to be a three and out. I mean, how many times have we seen this year uh, the Steelers have gone three and out? There was a time, Tom, earlier in the season where they were the team with the highest three and out percentage of all 32 NFL teams. And that had a lot to do with their choice, uh, their their play calling on individual downs when the game circumstances did not call for it. So I agree with you. I think it was great to come out aggressive. And I, and, and as you said, Matt Williamson always highlights it uh, on Countdown to Kickoff, on the Steelers preview show, and on Drive, his own show. He preaches it, and the Steelers, even though they have that young quarterback, it's kind of this time to do it. It's time to get him as many reps as you possibly can. And now, when you look at this game specifically, the Saints game, you came out aggressive to begin. Great. You got three points on the board, and then eventually you you played with a 10 to nothing lead. Then you could start running the ball more often, right? You're playing with a double-digit lead. The game is now in your—the the ball is now in your court. Start to— make plays start to, you can change up the playbook mid game it's okay to to kind of change up the game plan depending on how the game is going if you're playing with that double digit lead you don't have to keep passing the ball three times in a row you can give the ball to Najee Harris you can give the ball to Najee or to Najee Harris or Jalen Warren and that's exactly what they did which is why I was even more so impressed with the play calling because it wasn't just they found something that worked and they kind of Ran it down the Saints' throats until it didn't work. They made the adjustments as the game unfolded, and it cont- and it led to the win. It led to the twenty to ten win. I'm gonna let you choose your own adventure for the last part of this okay, episode. Let's do, do you it. You want to keep talking about the offense and talk about Kenny more in depth, or do you want to go to that defense? Ooh, okay. Um, I think I think because the offense had kind of a unique day, I think it's worth discussing a little bit further. All right, so Kenny Pickett, yeah. I don't want to throw flowers at his feet because no. I don't think he had an amazing game. No, what was it, 18 of 30? Yep, so it's pretty efficient no as far as that's though. concerned. No turnovers, uh, and no Only really that... like one interceptable ball, but it was P.I. on the play. Right. And Kenny that's... was immediately pointing right. 
at the flag because I think the DB was kind of talking to him a little bit like I had you there, and Kenny was like, I knew all along uh-huh. that was coming back. Like, and that's what I was gonna say too is that there weren't opportun- there weren't real opportunities for the defense to really force a turnover there. Six sacks also not great. But you look at 199 yards through the air, mm-hmm. 6.6 yards per completion, and that's a spot where people can circle and kind of cherry pick and say. Oh, still not looking kind of NFL quarterback-ish. Yeah, he's 18 for 30, but only for 199 yards. You got to add in the running game, though. Absolutely. That's a part of his game. His, not not just the single overall, we're talk- his running Yeah, game. now we're talking 251 total yards of offense from the young man. That's a pretty good outing for a quarterback. Now, he did get a rushing touchdown, his third rushing touchdown of the season. He has more rushing touchdowns than he has passing touchdowns. That's... Hopefully something that will correct itself by the end of the year because hey, this ain't Lamar, right? We don't want um, we don't want to be sitting here and be like, hey, it's fu-. if he wants to run for more touchdowns, it's fine. Right, Lamar, or Justin Fields, he can run, but it's not his archetype. Mm-hmm. He needs right. to be able to pass the ball a little bit as well. I want to see uh, the way I I have this game labeled as Kenny is he didn't lose it. He didn't look his worst by far. He's no, looked not worse even close. way. He's looked way yeah. worse before. But you still haven't seen that game yet out of him where you watch a full 60 minutes and go, that's a dude. He's mm-hmm. got it figured out. He he doesn't have that with him yet. He's got moments. I think the best NFL pass he made yesterday was the slant to Pickens on third down where Pickens just snatched it out yes. of the air for 12-yard yes. gain in the first down. I mean, that was a rocket. The Deontay deep ball was also dropped mm-hmm. right into the basket. So he got, he's got these moments, but I still think they're a little too few and far between for people. But at the same time, I, I, it's not time to hit the panic button because it's his sixth start or whatever, and he hasn't shown you a full 60 minutes of this guy's a legit NFL quarterback. Like, it, it could take a little bit of time, and he is at least showing that he's not going to be the reason why the team loses. And right. that's that's a positive in its own way. You, you, of course you want a quarterback that's the reason why your team wins. That's how you get to Super Bowls. That's how you have a franchise guy. When you got a guy that just makes sure you don't lose, you're the Niners. And you'll go far sometimes, mm-hmm. but that guy who makes sure you don't lose, sometimes he loses it for you because he's just not that guy. Kenny making sure that the game wasn't lost on his shoulders is a good step forward. Now go out in the next couple of games and win one for the team. And I know it's a team effort, but be the reason. 260, two touchdowns through the air, something like that. Right, and this this remaining schedule, Tom, everyone points out uh, that the Steelers have the hardest stretch of or strength of schedule through the first eight weeks, but we'll have the twentieth hardest. So they're they're in that right. They're in a they're in a good position if they actually want to win some games this year, to win some in the second half of the season. Um, and I think when you play teams like the Falcons and the Panthers moving forward, those are easily winnable games. The Colts, if you want to throw them in there, but those games should be won by any decent quarterback. To me, the litmus test will come when he goes up, when Kenny goes up against the Ravens two more times to face this season and the Bengals just uh, in a week's time. I mean, you want to talk about passing a test to to prove your worth to a team and your ability to lead the team, you got to win those kinds of games. You can't just come out of a a Saints win winning 20 to 10 and feeling, oh, it's my team or you beat the Falcons something like 23 to 16 and you got the locker room completely behind you. No, you got to you got to lead a victory like Mitch Trubisky did against the Bengals in week 1. One thing that I'm noticing too the past couple of weeks with Kenny, 
He's getting sacked a lot. Yes. Well, I I pointed out six sacks against. He gets sacked a lot against the Saints. It's a good front for the Saints. Pass rush wise, you've got dudes there that can get home. Uh, Cam Jordan's the one. Cam Jordan's like New Orleans Cam Hayward. The one. Yeah. Like he he's kind of like the same exact player for them. Gets more recognition though. Probably was he on the Super Bowl team, Cam Jordan? No, he was not. He wasn't. No, there yet. but okay. he, so made, he really is like the Cam Hayward. But he then. made the All Decade team, something that Cam Hayward did not. Yeah, different positions too. They put yeah. uh, Jordan at the end. They put Hayward in at the D tackle spot a lot, and they do those lists like that. But I, I, I think that they're very comparable players. I think they're borderline Hall of sure. Famers. They're obvious Hall of Honor members for their respective teams. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you sneeze at the Saints front and say, "Oh, six sacks. How does that happen?" <clears throat> but I think it's a combination of. This offensive line, although it's better than a lot of people thought it was going to be, still gelling, still learning, and pass blocking is really hard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not sugarcoat that. As well as maybe Kenny's not putting himself in the right positions back there. Maybe he's staying in a pocket too long. Maybe he's bailing out too early and running himself into sacks. I don't know necessarily. I'd have to go back and watch closer. But I can almost guarantee you that all six of those sacks were not on the, the offensive line. I'm sure the quarterback had some to, some to do with it. No, I will say this, though. Sure. The one deep in the Saints territory that killed a drive, that was on Dan Moore. When Kenny oh, Pickett got blindside, lit up, and I thought he might have been hurt. I mean, he came that, up. He came up hurt. That was bad. That was bad blocking. I can put that one squarely on number 65. Who? But I who, think it's a bit of both. I think it's the quarterback being young and an inexperienced offensive line. Yeah, it's it's the quarterback being young and it's a quarterback who can be mobile, right? If if you put a guy like Kenny Pickett who is mobile and we saw him have his burst on the ground uh, this past this past Sunday. Those kind of guys are going to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. They're going to wait to see who's open, and then, and if they don't find anyone, they're going to be patient. If they don't find anyone, they're going to run the ball themselves. And you saw that with Kenny Pickett. You saw it with Josh Allen yesterday against Minnesota when he ran back-to-back first downs uh, late in that game <clears throat> against the Vikings. So I understand it. It's, it's part of the learning curve. But again, Tom, he took those six sacks, never lost control of the football, though. Which I think is a huge deal. And on that blindside hit, that's right. Easily could have gone the other way. Blame the quarterback anytime that. Oh no! No 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 no. So Kenny, ball security wise, I give him an A plus in this game. Uh, Kenny, running wise, improvisational wise, I give him like an A minus. A minus B B plus. Yeah. As far as a passer, he's still around that C plus B minus. Yeah. He again, he's showing flashes, but you don't want to flash. You want a consistent performance. The Deontay, I mean, yeah, it was a great splash play. I think every Steelers fan is looking at the chops to get a splash play, a play of more than 20, 25 yards, because we know how few there have been for the Steelers on the season. But that Deontay ball, Tom, that easily could have gone for a touchdown if Kenny put a little bit more air on it. I know there was a safety looming in the in, in the area. But if that ball was thrown a little bit deeper, Deontay could have hit it in stride and possibly found the end zone. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different receivers that caught Kenny's 18 completions. No one caught more than four. Pat and Deontay both tied with four catches each. Uh, the target share, Pat had the most with seven. I think that's something you might see yeah, become absolutely. a trend with him and Kenny Pickett. Um, Pickens had four. Deontay had five. Those are your big three. No one else had more than three than them. Deontay, you know... It four catches, sixty three yards. That's kind of what we've been seeing from him all year. But at least there was a big splash play mm-hmm. this time, and it wasn't just you know a catch and you're tackled right away. It was a thirty six yard completion. So 
Maybe that gives him a little bit of confidence going. I think Pickens, despite only having three catches, he did have those two carries for 23 yards and, of course, that one touchdown on the ground. But I thought every time he made a play, Pickens just looked like an animal. Like yeah. that one play where he made that catch on the sideline, the sideline then put it in his left Shrugged hand the and guy stiff-armed off. the yep. guy for a first down. So on the first right, that was the first third down or third down completion of the game. None of the receivers really had the chance to shine. But in their little small moments, they all did. Things I think they that did. I, were I mean, well. Deontay had that long catch. We just talked about Pickens, and and then later on the game up the middle, Pat Frymuth, uh, when the Steelers were backed up in their own end zone or in their own red zone, uh, Pat made that incredible one-handed, one-handed catch. catch to complete a first down. I mean, Sims had a catch for 15 yards. Right. It's a big play, and an end around two yeah. that went for I think a first down on its own. So everyone had a good day, but no one really. It, it, it can't really fault them when the quarterback only completes 18 passes. And I'm not saying it's Kenny's fault that these guys aren't shining, but it's just I know you're not. It's 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 the trials and tribulations of of working in a a rookie quarterback. Everybody out there right now go subscribe to SNR's newest podcast. The Godfather of Pittsburgh Sports is talking nothing but Steelers. It's Savern on Steelers and new episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe today. It's available on the Steelers mobile app the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast, We're going to talk about that defense in the next episode. We'll probably talk a little bit more about the offense naturally. I got a bone to pick with Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach. And we're going to find out who made that money when we give out our money makers. It's Mm -hmm. all coming away on the next episode. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers Standard. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.